In Isaiah 25:1, we find these words, O Lord, I will honor and praise your name, for you are my God. You do such wonderful things. You planned them long ago, and now you have accomplished them. Today, as we enter into this place to worship our God, we realize and recognize that we are here to worship God. It's not ourselves, it's not our possessions, nothing in this created world that we've gathered to worship. It's, it's not a building, it's not a people, but God himself, that we've come to this place and this space to honor. His son, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself to save us, is what we proclaim, and it's the one reason that we've gathered. It's to honor and praise God. So let's take a moment to center our hearts in prayer. Awesome God, we come before your throne today. We cast aside all that weighs us down, all that burdens us, all that troubles us. We invite you to invade this place, captivate our hearts, and mold them into the shape of your heart, God. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, today we are in our final week of the Foundation's teaching series, Building Healthy Relationships, and today we're going to wrap up our discussion on building healthy relationships by talking about the biggest landmines that we experience in relationships. And the biggest relational landmines happen when trust is lost or when a relationship undergoes physical or emotional or spiritual abuse. And when that happens, forgiveness is hard. And more so, reconciliation is even harder. So today we're going to take some time to dive into these biblical principles of forgiveness and reconciliation. And in doing so, we'll learn that while each can be challenging and hard in our lives, each is possible if given the right circumstances and given enough time And we can also choose to forgive, and we can choose to be reconciled in our relationships. Mark Twain once said that forgiveness is the fragrance that the violent sheds on the heel that has crushed it. Forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. I really like that quote. I think everyone in this room today has been hurt by someone at some point in their lives. It doesn't matter what age we are, we have all experienced the reality of broken relationships in our lives. It's, it's universal. Granted, all of our experiences are different. We've all experienced broken relationships in a different way. Some have suffered atrocities that, that could hardly, that that's, others could hardly even fathom happening in their lives. And others have suffered events that stress and break down relations, relationships that seem, that seem inconsequential or, or, or trivial even to others. Um, but the breakdown and the destruction of the relationship is real in, in their lives. Why? why? Why does this happen? 
we, we started this, this discussion and, and this, this series by talking about God's relational nature and how we are created in the image of God, in God's relational image. And if we are designed to live in a relationship, why do we struggle to live in relationship? If that's the way we're designed to live. The fact is, is that we live in a broken world that's filled with sin, which allows for the breakdown of relationships. Sin, choices, actions, and, and reactions lead to consequences, hurt feelings, strained and broken relationships, and then they leave us left with this choice. Do we choose to forgive? Or do we choose not to forgive? And the, the fact is, is that forgiveness is, is hard. Forgiveness is really hard, and it doesn't come easy, and it doesn't come naturally at all. Forgiveness is not a natural thing, and sometimes it can even seem forced. And, and I'll be honest, as, as a father with three little kids, I'll tell you the truth. There are times that I have forced my children to say I'm sorry when I know in my heart that they are not sorry at all. They are not sorry. They are not sorry that they hit their brother. At all. They are not sorry that they stole the toy. At all. But I have forced them to apologize. Let me ask you, though. Have you ever said you were sorry for something that you were not sorry for? Maybe you were trying to save face, or perhaps you were trying to get out of an awkward conversation. Regardless, forgiveness, <laughs> forgiveness is hard for a variety of reasons least of which is the fact that our lives have been impacted significantly by the wrongdoing of another person. I recently read a book um, by William Urey called Getting to Yes with Yourself. It's a fantastic book. I, I highly encourage it. But in the book, Urey tells the story of a man named Azim Kamiza. And he's an American businessman who's 20-year-old son, Tarek, was killed by a gang member. Now, Tarek was studying um, in college during the day, and at night he was uh, delivering pizzas to help um, pay for his schooling. And one night he made a pizza delivery to an apartment where he was met by a 14-year-old boy named Tony who took the pizza and then shot and killed him as a gang initiation. Yuri recounts Azim's experience in his book, and he explains that when Azim received the phone call that his son was dead, he couldn't process the emotions, and, and rightly so. I, I couldn't process it. I don't know any parent that could. Um, and for the next few weeks, Azim said that he survived only through prayer as a man of faith. He, he said he only survived by praying Instead of falling into the darkness, through prayer, he says that he was given the blessing of forgiveness. And I thought that was very interesting, the blessing of forgiveness. Azim says, and I quote, reaching the conclusion that there were victims at both ends of the gun. I thought that was powerful. Through prayer, Azim goes on to say that he was able to reach the point of forgiveness, not forgetfulness. He didn't forget what had happened, 
And there's a drastic difference between those two points. His forgiveness led him to reach out to Tony's grandfather and legal guardian and to offer support and forgiveness to Tony's family at their time of deepest need. You see, what Azim realized was that there was two families involved in this, and it wasn't just his family that had been devastated. Deeply moved, Tony's grandfather shared Azim's words of forgiveness and urged Tony to accept responsibility for his actions. And, and Tony's grandfather shared with Azim that, that Tony cried in his arms in his jail cell the night before his hearing. And the next day in court, when everyone expected Tony to plead not guilty before the judge, as every good gang member should, the 14-year-old Tony gave a remorseful and emotional speech and pled guilty to Tarek's murder and then turned to Azim, who was sitting in the courtroom, and asked for his family's forgiveness publicly before the court. You see, forgiveness is often misunderstood in our culture today as and it's confused with reconciliation. Because it's, it's easy to say, I forgive you when, when someone accidentally bumps into you in the checkout line at the store. It's an entirely different thing to forgive someone who has hurt you deeply and profoundly in your life. See, the deepest hurts, the deepest, the most profoundly broken relationships are those relationships in our lives where trust has been lost, or often where physical, emotional, or spiritual abuse has taken place. The loss of trust, abuse, significant hurts in life, these are the relationship landmines in our lives. And these are the moments that we struggle to come back from. In the flight world, my, my parents are pilots, or, or they used to be pilots. In the flight world, this, this point is often referred to as the, the point of no return in a relationship. The place where we say that there's no going back from this point. We can't get back to where we began anymore. And we have to remember that forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. They're not the same terms, and they're not the same spiritual practices as believers either. The biggest relational landmine that we deal with in relationships is forgiveness and reconciliation. And while money fights top the charts as, uh, um, as the reason for marital conflict, um, the fights, stem, fights also stem from trust issues and forgiveness because that's where those marital conflicts often start. And the same is true in our friendships, though. If we think about our friendships, what do those conflicts stem from? It's often broken trust or abuse of some kind. Um, or in our work relationships, it often stems from trust issues. Dating relationships, parent-child relationships. The majority of our relationships, the true landmines that we deal with come from the times that we've stepped on trust and abuse and how we or they have handled or not handled the forgiveness or reconciliation in that relationship. So let's begin quickly by just defining these terms. Even though we all know these terms, it's good just to have a framework for discussion. Forgiveness is the act 
or process of forgiving or being forgiven. And I know my mom, being an elementary teacher, would tell me, Tim, you can't define a topic with a topic, or you can't define a word with the word, but you can't define forgiveness without saying you're forgiven. Okay? So forgiveness is the act or process of forgiving. Reconciliation, though, is the restoration of a friendly relationship. So with these two definitions in mind, we're going to turn to Jesus' words in Luke 17, where Jesus, we find this account. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, there will always be temptations to sin. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time returns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. So our first point to ponder this morning from Jesus is that sin is the root. Sin is the root. Jesus says that sin is the root of our broken, brokenness in the world and our relationships, and openly admits that we are tempted to sin. While we know this is common sense, it's important to remember this as a fact that Jesus talks about. Often, when we step on a relational landmine, when when something goes off in our relationship, or when someone else steps on a landmine that that affects our relationships, we often say something like, how could they do such a thing? How could they do this to me? Why would they treat me like this? I have said that myself. Everyone, though, Jesus says, everyone is tempted to sin. And we each define sin in a different way. I define sin as anything that gets between God and us. Anything that pulls us away from God's leading in our life. And that said, when a relational landmine goes off, something has happened. A sin has been committed in some way. It could have been against you. It could have been against another person. And Jesus points out that sin is at the root, the root, the thing that goes down to the core foundation of the relationship. It always is. At the core of the broken relationship, the thing that has gone wrong is some kind of sin. Point number two to consider. Believers sin too. Believers sin too. Believe it or not, Jesus says we all sin. Paul says it in Romans 3.23 like this, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We are not exempt as Christ followers. That is why Jesus is explicit when he says, with an exclamation point, I might add, so watch yourselves. As Jesus is talking to his followers, watch yourselves. We all sin. Point number three to consider from this passage Forgiveness is an action. Jesus says that if someone sins against you and they repent, and to repent means they turn away from their current action and into a new direction, and that they ask for forgiveness, that we are required to forgive. He says you must forgive. And here's the icing on the cake. Jesus says, even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. Because forgiveness is an action, it's something that you do. Which is quite contrary to what our culture tells us sometimes. Which begs the question also, 
Who is forgiveness for? Is it about what we want? Or is it about the other person? Here's the hard part of this act of forgiveness. It means letting go of the past and choosing mercy. In Acts 3.19, Peter says in a message that he gives to the people, um, Now repent of your sins and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. The act of forgiveness means that our sins are wiped away. And this is not just something that God does for you, for us. It's something that we are to do by emulating God's forgiveness. So if you haven't noticed about me yet, I like logical rhetoric, um, which can be confusing. But here's, here's a little bit of logical rhetoric that I, that I enjoy. If justice is getting what you deserve, mercy is not getting what you deserve, Grace, then, is getting what you don't deserve. Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy, then, is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. God has given us his unmerited grace. Forgiveness we did not earn, did not deserve. Because we have been forgiven, we choose to forgive. We don't have to forgive forget the past. Remember, forgiveness is not forgetfulness. Forgiveness is not forgetfulness. The past is important. We all know the past is important. It's very important to who we are because it helps define who we have been in the world as each experience, both positive and negative, provides us with the opportunity to grow. And how we grow from our experiences is a choice. But that's a conversation for another day. Forgiveness, though, is an action. It is an action that we take. But there is danger of empty forgiveness. Empty forgiveness. And I tend to call this vengeful forgiveness. And vengeful forgiveness, or vengeful pardon, is when you forgive someone, but like under your breath, you don't. And maybe you've done this before. I know I have. It's like saying, I forgive you, but I don't trust you. Or, I forgive you, but it's going to take a while before our relationship recovers. I forgive you, but get out of my house. In the book of Romans, Paul gives a good image of what genuine forgiveness looks like when we step on a relational landmine. And here's, here's what Paul says in Romans 12. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Mm. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Just because you forgive someone does not mean that there is no consequence to the action that took place in your relationship. Every action has a consequence, good, bad, indifferent. The fact is that some relational landmines that we step on are so severe that the relationship may not survive. It just may not survive. 
But that does not mean that forgiveness is not possible. It only means that reconciliation is not possible in the moment. If trust is lost in a relationship, there's nothing that the person can do or say that will fix that problem in the moment. The trust has been lost. If there has been a genuine hurt, reconciliation may not come quickly. Let me ask you a rhetorical question because this will be one of your experiences. Have you ever tried to keep a relationship together after a significant landmine has been hit and tried to force it back together again only to find out that it couldn't be fixed? Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Nevertheless, we are capable of both. Forgiveness is an action that we choose. Reconciliation is the restoration of the relationship. And these are two different terms and represent distinctly two different spiritual practices. And there is a time for forgiveness and a time for reconciliation. Or reconciliation. Now recently, I was talking with a single mom who, who had repeatedly worked through the act of forgiveness with her ex-spouse. However, reconciliation was not possible yet. She had chosen to forgive and was still working through her emotions and her spiritual baggage. Still, even though she had worked towards forgiveness, reconciliation was not possible yet. It was not the time for reconciliation because reconciliation requires an investment from all of those involved in the relational landmine. In this case, there was a mom and there was an ex-spouse. And, and in some ways, there are others involved as well. We could probably include the child and potentially the others that were involved. For reconciliation to happen in this specific situation, all the people involved in the hurt would have to take responsibility for their actions by confessing what they had did, There must be a genuine repentance, a turning away from what they had done and a commitment to not do that again. Attitudes on all sides would have to change. There must also be a sincerity and maybe even some form of restitution if it's even possible because honestly in most cases in most of our relationships, restitution is not even possible. Reconciliation requires the restart of a healthy relationship without the past baggage. Like Peter said in Acts 3, like past sins being wiped away as though the board were wiped clean, as though they no longer existed. And that's why reconciliation is so challenging and why reconciliation is nothing like forgiveness and why they are two completely different concepts and why we should never confuse those as people of faith. And forgiveness is choice Reconciliation is something we strive for. In the story of Azim's son, Tarek, and Tony, his 14-year-old killer, Azim forgave Tony. But Azim and Tony were not able to begin working toward reconciliation until Tony confessed in court and asked for forgiveness and started working toward reconciliation. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us his wonderful message of reconciliation. God is reconciling the world to himself through Christ. And we are charged to share that message of reconciliation. To do that, we have to be able to live reconciled lives with others.
I started this series with some pictures. And I want to take you all the way back to week one. The triangle represents the relational nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, living in relationship within God's self, the Trinity. This beautiful self-portrait stick figure is me, or you, or one person. And that God is constantly pouring out to, to one of us and all of us in relationship, and that we are created in the image of God. Being created in the image of God, we are created to live in relationship. And so we live in relationship with other beautiful people, such as you all who are here today. More beautiful stick people all over the world. And so we live in relationship with other people. We live in relationship with other people. And as I connect them all with, with arrows, we see our connection points. And we have a choice. That first week I talked about our choice of connecting with other people and connecting back to God. And how important it is for us to connect back to God. And how important it is for us to live in relationship with other people. And that when we do this, this cycle between God and, and us and other people becomes this figure eight, unending cycle of, of love and grace and God's connection and relationship created in the image of God, a relational deity, to live in relationship with God and others. And that's where we started. God sent Christ to reconcile the world. And that's part of this bridge. So I'm going to put this little cross right here. Christ helped create that bridge. Christ was that medium for us to be connected to God again. God sent Christ. We come back to God through Christ. I moved it to the top. Because of our love of Christ and our acceptance of Christ, we are fully able to engage back to God. Now, God calls us, as Paul says in Corinthians, and reminds us that God is trying to reconcile the world back to him. And in Revelation, um, the Apostle John talks to Jesus and talks about this new heaven and this new earth and the restoration of creation um, and, and how there's, there's going to be a time when Jesus comes back and, and, and that the world will be made right again. And that this, this, this time that we're moving toward but that, that Christ is, is helping to reconcile the world because we're all connecting back to God. But if we fail to forgive and we fail to live out our reconciliation with others, just like our failure to build relationships with other people, we get these breakdowns with our other people. And I'll break the, break the cycle between us and others. And as we break down with other people... We stop expressing our faith because we were created to live in relationship. It's kind of like stop going to church. You know, you can listen to a podcast of a sermon on your phone or on the TV. You can watch TV church too for a while. But there's a stark difference between watching TV church and going to church. Because when these start to break down and our relationships start to break down, we start to realize that this starts to break down and our connection with God starts to break down. But as we learn how to choose forgiveness and we learn how to reestablish our relationships with other people and we choose to be reconciled, we, reckon, we realize that we can be reconciled with God still and that Christ still saves us. 
because we are people who live in a broken world whose sin, as Jesus said, and as Paul said, and as Peter said, fall short of God's glorious standard and who are still in need of a Savior. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation, and yet we are capable of both. Each are spiritual practices that is learned. We do not naturally forgive, do we? We naturally want justice. People to get what they deserve. Because that's fair and equal treatment. We don't really want fair and equal treatment, at least I don't. And I said this last week. If life were fair, I wouldn't like it that much. Because, boy, oh boy, there'd be a lot of consequences for my past that I wouldn't want to really live into. And I'm grateful that life isn't fair. And I'm grateful that God sent a Savior. And that'd be Jesus Christ. Forgiveness and reconciliation are learned and they're developed with practice. The more we forgive, the more we understand forgiveness, the more we become reconciled with those around us, the more we understand reconciliation as a process, Um, understand that reconciliation takes time, it takes energy, and it takes commitment. Also understand that some relationships may never be reconciled in this earth. Some relationships may never be reconciled on this earth but that we can each choose to work towards reconciliation. And that is what we're called to do because Christ is reconciling the world and we are called to be reconcilers. Relational landmines will come in your life. They will happen in your life. They will happen in your family. They will happen in your household. They will happen in your, in your marriage and in your relationships. The question is not will they happen, it's when they will happen. And when they happen, will you choose to forgive And will you choose to work toward reconciliation in your life? I pray that you will. And I pray that you will stay connected and build healthy Christian relationships with everyone in your life. Let's pray together. Holy God, we come before you today amidst all of our brokenness. Each of us here today has stepped on a relational landmine of some kind at some point in our lives. God, we ask that you would help us to choose to forgive. Give us the clarity to see when reconciliation is possible and give us the courage to step away from a relationship when it is not. Through all of it, Lord, we praise you for standing beside us. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, that we pray. Amen.